from above the terrain and lakes of New England, propelling the Gospel Mission Aviation Ministries, presents to you the Mission Briefer podcast, where we will give testimonials from mission outreach flights, interviews of missionary aviators from around the world, on-site experiences and sounds of our Mission Aviation fly-out camps, teachings from the Bible, and updates of church planning and outreach events. So buckle up and prepare for takeoff as we seek to propel the gospel forward here, in the New England region. We're going to be in the book of First John, chapter 2, again. And uh, quite honestly, there's... Uh, if you were at Sunday school this morning, this might be a very boring message um, because Mike did a fantastic job at uh, kind of doing an overview of what we're going to be talking about today. So um, actually, I would encourage that that uh, if you, after this message, if there's you want to just continue digging, which I hope we all do, um, the notes that, that they had in Sunday school is a, just a fantastic uh, way thing to go through, and, and it's really going to add uh, to anything I have to say. Um, you know, it's amazing how really unqualified we are, <laughs> really. And um, it is a blessing to get into God's Word, realize that, and and still the Lord wants us to move forward. And uh, so we're going to go to uh, to the Lord in prayer real quick, and then we're going to dive into uh, verse number 12 is where we're going to start off. And uh, excited about what we're going to be looking at today. I think, I think you know, the context of this whole book, where we've been and kind of where we're headed is, is really exciting. So uh, let's go to the Lord in prayer. Dear Holy Father, we thank you for the opportunity now to dive into your word, which gives us direction and understanding of your will, Lord. And we pray that uh, even if there's one piece of this that we can get and apply to our lives, Lord, that that, that would be uh, success and walking out of here and, and being able to share that with the rest of the world that uh, that does not know you, Lord. And uh, we realize we are unqualified to do many things that you call us to do. And uh, we, we thank you uh, for loving us and sending your son to die on the cross for us. And Lord, I do pray that this message is strictly from you and that all my little uh, issues and nuances are set aside, Lord, in Jesus' name. Amen. So we're in 1 John chapter 2, verse number 12. The first couple verses, um, at first we're just going to breeze through them real quick and we'll go back at the end um, and kind of go through them a little bit deeper. But in verse 12 it says this, in chapter 2, verse 12, I write to you, little children, because your sins are forgiven. Uh, You, for his name's sake, I write to you, fathers, because you have known him who is from the beginning. I write to you, young men, because you have overcome the wicked one. I write to you, little children, because you have known the Father. I have written to you, fathers, because you have known him who is from the beginning. I have written to you, young men, because you are strong, and the word of God abides in you, and you have overcome the wicked one. And then verse 15, we swing just a little bit. Do not love the world or the things in the world. If anyone loves the world, the love of the Father is not in him. For all that is in the world, the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, and the pride of life is not of the Father, but is of the world. And the world is passing away and the lust of it, but he who does the will of God abides 
forever. There is so much in this section of scripture we could spend all day, and we won't. We won't. <laughs> but uh, John's epistle here reminds us the right kind about the right kind of love. And we've looked at it in the previous weeks, um, loving your neighbor as yourself. We looked at that last time, kind of the relationships. And now I've titled this message, uh, The Love That God Is Not In. The Love That God Is Not In. It warns us, uh, John says, it warns us that there, or John doesn't say this, a commentary says this. In the book of John, it warns us that there is a wrong kind of love, a love that God hates. This love for what the Bible calls the world. Well, Warren Wiersbe says, says there's really four reasons. One is because of what the world is, what it represents. Uh, two is because what the world does to us. Look in verse 15. Do not love the world for the things in the world. If anyone loves the world, the love of the Father is not in him. Verse 16 for that is in the world, the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, the pride of life, is not of the Father, but is of the world. It's, it, it's, it's what the world does to us. Worldly, worldliness is not so much a matter of activity, but attitude, how we approach it. Worldliness not only affects your response to the love of God, it also affects your response to the will of God. We looked at that a little bit this morning. How do you, how do you know the direction of God? It, depending on which side of the fence we're on here, it's going to really show us our response to what God's will is, what the Word of God is, as we looked at Sunday school. By looking at the Word of God and, and really uh, getting into God's Word and spending a lot of time in God's Word, it reveals to us what God's will is. And uh, Mike, I'm sure he shared it with most of the church, but he, he's, he gave a great example of what a pastor said once coming here, that the more that 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 person was in the Bible, he realized how quicker he could make the decision because he was just more in communion with God. And uh, so I think that's just such a beautiful picture. I appreciate you bringing that up this morning. If you love my commandments, right? If you love me, keep my commandments. It's an approach. Everything that causes you to lose the enjoyment of the Father's love or his desire to do the Father's will is worldly and must be avoided. I don't know if I've shared this before, and, and I apologize if I do, um, if I have. But all growing up, all, all that I ever did was baseball. And I played baseball from kindergarten all the way up into high school. And I can honestly say, even though I was in church every Sunday, I really wasn't in church. And, and I was, you know, I was there. I was not in fellowship. I was not in communion like we looked at in the beginning of First John. But for me, this, this was what I was worshiping. This was my idol. This is what I put in place of the things of the Father. I went so far to the point that uh, Liberty University was looking at me as a scout. Now, looking back, I really wasn't that good. It, but it's funny, as when you're young, you're going through, and it's like, wow, this is, this is, a, uh, this is a future. This is where I'm headed. And, and I invested so much time and effort into baseball, which for me... Um, because I took it so far, became a thing of the world, not of the Father. And so we're going to look at that a little bit today. And the third point that Warren Wiersbe says is we need to avoid the world because of what a Christian is. Verse 12, I write to you little children because your sins are forgiven, forgiven you for your name's sake, his name's sake. I write to you fathers 
who is from the beginning, I write to you, young men, because you have overcome the wicked one. I write to you, little ones, because you have known the Father. I've written to you, fathers, because you have known him who is from the beginning. I've written to you, young men, because you are strong, and the word of God abides in you, and you have overcome the wicked one. Because of who we are, we can't, can't be totally immersed in the world, that, that, what the world um, offers. John uses these first, four, uh, first three verses um, to identify, uh, John uses the identification of a Christian in a very unusual form. First, children. Children, all believers. We've, we've already identified that this, the book here, of uh, 1 John, um, is written to believers. And so, we, so all children, we're all children of God. Um, the, the literal wording for children is born ones. Flip over to James 4.4. 4. James 4.4. 4. And we looked at this this morning. Adulterers and adulteresses, do you not know that friendship with the world is enmity with God? Whoever therefore wants to be a friend of the world makes himself an enemy of God. This is how close our Sunday school material literally was this morning. Is most of the verse, I mean, I'm sitting there in Sunday school and I'm going, wow, Mike, um, I don't think you were in my house this week, but you know. <laughs> You kind of virtually were for Bible study, but it, I mean, it's amazing how God works in that way. And that, that's not really the first time that's, that, that's happened. So, um, but children, all believers, and if we, if we make him, if we, if we make him our king and we seek to have that relationship, that's what God wants. God does not, us, does not want us to remain as children. We saw that in, in 1 John chapter 1, verse 3. And then the second one, fathers, mature believers who know the Father. And there's definitely some people here that know, genuinely know the Father and have been through many experiences. And that only has grown. That's, that's what God wants us to do, is to, is, as we saw in chapter 1, is to get to that point um, and, and continually grow. And then he addresses the young men who conquered the evil one, and I think this is important, through the Word of God. I feel like in a lot of cases I'm in this stage. I don't. I was talking to a guy the other day. I, he asked me a question, and I do not have the answer. I have not experienced what this person has gone through. There's many instances like that where I, you know, we pray for one another, and I go, "Wow, that must be so heavy. I've never experienced that." But through the Word of God, here they are, the young men, and they overcame the prince. Of the world's systems, and that that would be Satan, and 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 that is a system. That is the world system. Is is the works of the devil. Young men are not mature, but are seeking to grow and effectively using the word of God. Flip over to Ephesians chapter six. We're just going to read verse 17 for now, but we'll be back to Ephesians chapter 6 at the end of the message to wrap things up. But Ephesians 6 verse 17 says this, And take the helmet of salvation 
in the sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God. The Word of God is, is the best thing we can be doing in instances where we don't know where we're going, we don't know what the answers are. Um, maybe we see something of the world and we go, you know, I don't know really where I land in that. There are definitely instances in our, in our uh, fellowship, in, our, in our, the body of believers, that not everything is going to be totally in agreement, right? And maybe, maybe there's instances where we look at something and we go, well, you know, is that, is that of the world? Is that of the Father? Is it kind of this gray area? Where does it land? And not everybody's going to agree on those items. But to, to continually seek the Word of God um, is the best thing we can be doing. It's the greatest filter that's out there to, to really sit back and go, God, where do you want me? Where do you want, how do you want me to handle this situation? And then the last one is little children. Um, and it's interesting to note that the, the Greek word for children in 1 John chapter 2 from, from verse 12, um, uh, let's see, to young, let's see, somewhere here. Little children in verse 13 is actually a different um, original Greek words uh, from verse 14 and 12. Uh, but they're still under the authority of teaching regardless. And these are believers who have not grown up in Christ and they still have some growing to do. Uh, so I thought that was kind of interesting too. Um, a Christian stays away from the world because what the world is, as we said. It's a satanic system that hates and opposes Christ because of what the Christians uh, he or the Christians is, we're children of God. We're supposed to be in that thread of, of what, what God represents. And, and then the last one is because of where the world is going. We mentioned that in the prayer request this morning. All that's going on, where the world's headed is not in alignment with what God intends. And we see that. And we'll see that the next time up here, I'm up here, um, we're going to start looking into the things of the Antichrist or Antichrist. That's where this world's headed. We know that as Christians, but quite literally, we're seeing instances that play out where maybe the Antichrist is way far away, but things that are Antichrist are certainly happening today on a daily basis. Because of where the world is going, we see that in verse 17. And the world is passing away, and the lust of it, but he who does the will of God abides forever Hebrews 13 14 we saw we uh, read this morning for we for we have no continuing city but we seek uh, the one to come uh, Eleven thirteen says these all died in faith not having received the promises but having seen them from far off were assured of them embracing them and confess them confess that they are strangers and pilgrims on the earth that's what we are we're just passing through we know that hymn I'm just a passing through and I think, I think that's just such a, such a great picture that we need to continue to remind ourselves. Someday we're just, some days we're just so busy, we're just going about our day, and that slips our mind, right? John is really comparing two different lifestyles, a life lived for eternity. And on those days that we know that's, that's where we're headed, that's where our mind is, those are sweet days, sweet days. And then there's the life that is lived for time. And we saw that in verse 16, that which the world can see now. I'll never forget that film that came out, I don't know if it was five years or two years ago now, but the whole discussion about Tom Brady versus time. What is that? Go you know, and the, really the only reason I watched the Super Bowl is at the end to go, is this it? Is Tom Brady going to say, I'm done? I was greatly 
vastly disappointed <laughs> that he will continue. But anyway, that's just my own, my own thoughts. Um, but are we living for just the time, that which, we're, which we can see now, the, the little things? Um, or are we living for eternity, keeping our high eyes uh, uh, heaven-bound? The world has three meanings in our Bibles. One is pretty obvious. It's physical world or earth. And you can find that in Acts uh, 17, verse 24, the physical world or earth. Then the second one is human world or humankind. For God so loved the world, John 3, 16. And then sometimes it's combined. Let's, 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 show, let's look at that real quick uh, in the book of John, chapter 1. Uh, John chapter 1, verse 10. And sometimes the physical, uh, the physical earth is sometimes combined with, with humankind in the same verse when talking about the world. John chapter 1, verse 10. He was in the world, okay, and the world was made through him. And the world did not know him. So a couple instances there where world does not necessarily mean the same thing, but, but here's, the, here's this, the, the comparison between physical world and humankind. So it's, there's, no, there's no questioning. We, we certainly live in a world, and there's the idea of worldliness. Now, this is not a claim that we can't enjoy things that happen in the world. We, you know, fishing, like some of us got to do yesterday. I don't think that's where they're going. Well, if it's of the world, you know, they made fishing trap. Well, no, that's, that's not where we're headed. It's, it's the things that oppose Christ. In a day, in a day where, where there's a lot of anti-Christ, um, that, that can be a, a struggle. And, he's, and he's, John is writing to these believers saying, here, little children, fathers, young men, this is, this is kind of, you know, you overcame, you know him. And then he goes in into the idea of do not love the world or things in the world. You know, uh, it's, it kind of reminds me being on the water yesterday, looking down into the hole and going, you know, I wonder what it's like to live under there as a fish. But the reality is we, we can't really grasp that because Anytime you go into the water, you know, you got to have special equipment like a scuba diving. You got to have all this, these tanks and stuff. And I've never done it, but heard a lot about it. But, but you go into that and that's not the element in which man was intended to live. And so you go into the water and, and at some point you're coming back up or, or you're not. <laughs> so you got to come back up because that's not where you're intended to be. We sometimes forget that that we are, are in this world for a purpose, not just to just exist and to just be here. There is a purpose. And, and really, this world is not designed for Christians to be like, no, this is my comfort zone. Not really. It is in our, our nature of man, it is. Yeah, oh yeah, that's why we struggle with it, because of those two natures, our human nature and, and the life we have with Christ. Those are two different Two different natures, which we've talked about in First John. But being in a world where it's not intended for Christians to really be comfortable and just sit there and breathe just like a fish would underwater, you know. And so that's interesting, interesting things to think about when we think about the world. You know, when we pray for the world, 
when we meet people in the world that, that have no clue about Christ, have no, no knowledge of God, is to realize they're in the natural habitat of, of the world. We are not. And so we're taking a fish out of water <laughs> and explaining them uh, who God is. And, and uh, so looking at the things of, of those things in the world that, that take us or deter us away from the enjoyment of the Father or the will. And there's many instances, even in just my young life, where I go, wow, I really, I really took the enjoyment of the Father and I set it aside and I focused on wrong things um, that, that are definitely worldly. Go over to Colossians chapter 4, verse 12. Colossians chapter 4, verse 12 says, Ephraim, who is one of you, a bondservant of Christ, greets you always laboring fervently for you in prayers, that you may stand perfect and complete in all the will of God. So looking at kind of the children, the young men, and the fathers, God doesn't want us to stay there. God doesn't want us to say, okay, I got you, cool. Boy, isn't that a mentality we have in many churches? Yeah, cool, you, you accepted Christ and you're coming to church on Sunday, you're set. Well, really, as we've seen in 1 John, he, that's not where he want, God wants to leave us. And so, um, and so that's important to continually maturing. And then in, in verse, uh, let's see, is uh, verse 14, I've written to you young men. Ephesians, uh, back to Ephesians chapter 6 real quick. You may want to just keep a finger there. Ephesians chapter 6, verse 10. Finally, my brethren, be strong in the Lord, in the power of his might. And that's what those young men did. Because you are strong and the word of God abides in you. There's, an, there's, a, there's a call there for, for strength to endure some of these worldly things, to, to navigate in and around them. Or sometimes maybe you're in the midst of it and you're going, wow, this is really not something that God would stand for. This is really not something I should be in and around. And again, this all complements the idea of, of God who is real, who the first message we looked at, um, the manifestation of, of Christ, uh, the invitation to fellowship, um, the advocate, the propitiation, the knowledge. All this is, as it should, it builds up and it, we come to this point where it says, yeah, there's going to be some stuff that happens in this world that is not of the Father. And, and to live a life um, that reflects a relationship uh, with the Father is extremely important. We saw that a couple weeks ago, and here we are looking at the world as we slowly head towards that anti-Christ section of Scripture. John obviously loves to talk about love. We said that a couple times. John, 1 John, 2 John... Loves to talk about love, and here we are in a very interesting subject of a love that, that God is not in, the love for the world, love for the world. Pride of life motivates much of what people do. I know we've all experienced that. 
We've all done things. We, the lust of our eyes. We see things and we go, oh, wow, yeah. And in the, in the backdrop, whether we realize it in that moment or not, is slowly we're opposing God. We're opposing. Romans chapter 12, verse, uh, verse 1. We'll head there real quick. And again, these are not, I think that the reason there's much emphasis is that these are not easy things. These are things that we are in and around every day, whether we go to work or we're at the local gas station. This is stuff, this is real stuff that, that is hard to sometimes navigate. But in verse, chap, uh, verse 1 of chapter 12 in Romans, I beseech you therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies a living sacrifice, holy, acceptable to God, which is your, I like this, reasonable service. Sometimes we get that backwards. That, that's our reasonable service. That's, that's like, that shouldn't be out of the ordinary. That's what he's saying. I, I, in getting ready for our men's leadership conference next week, um, I was doing a little research uh, with Josiah, my partner, and, and uh, we got on the topic of uh, Edward Payson. A guy that, that was from the Ringe, New Hampshire area, started a church in Portland, and has had a huge impact, uh, obviously through, through the, the Lord's working, but for many years um, in, in academics and, and just studying God's Word. And, and uh, I don't know who, who, alongside that same time frame, said it, but he said at that time he was, he was recognized as, as one of the men that seek to be the holiest, or acceptable to God. That's what he strived to be. But Edward Payson came out one day and he said, but the reality is there are so many times where I go, yeah, I should have prayed for that. And I didn't even, I didn't, it didn't even cross my mind to go to God for that. It didn't even. So there is, there are times where we do fail. Uh, but in the end, Edward Payson, who was all in and around New England, um, is now known as praying Payson. Praying Payson. And so I just find that neat because that's an adjective in front of his name that even he said he struggled with. But he was striving to keep his eyes on the Lord and constantly waiting. Is today the day? I'm going to live my life today like Christ is returning this afternoon, right? Praying patient. And then his daughter went on and she wrote some book that I'm supposed to know, but I, I, the name escapes me. And then she goes on to write the hymn, More Love to Thee. And I'm excited next Saturday... At the men's conference, we're going to be singing that hymn, More Love to Thee. If it, to, to thee. If there's anything that we need to be doing in our country, is more love to Thee. More love to Thee and focusing, focusing on that holy, acceptable God, which is your reasonable service. And we, know, we all know this verse in verse 2, And do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. That's the piece where, as we become believers, right, we have the renewing of our mind. We are in God's word. We grow. That, that's, the, that's the important piece. And I'm of opinion, that's a daily occurrence too. Because we can wake up and in our natural, unbrushed nature of man, we get up and we are just sometimes nasty people. And until we get in God's word and we seek to renew our minds, to shape our mind for that day and be transformed uh, from the world, that you may prove what is good we can decipher what is good, what is acceptable, and perfect in the will of God. 
That's why sometimes as we gather, inevitably, we do discuss what goes on in our country. Because as we're in God's word, we go, wow, that is just, that is so wrong. Like, what, what are they doing? But the reality is we've been in God's word. We're seeking to know. God gives us the ability to understand things that are going on that, in the world that maybe if we're not in God's word, it would be harder to make those decisions. It would be a longer time. It'd be, we'd be like, boy, I've got to pray more. I've got to get this answer. I've got to figure out the direction that God's doing. But the reality is God wants us in his word. And I appreciate that in our Sunday school material this morning. If anyone loves the world, the love of the Father is not in him. 1 Peter 1.19, I think we looked at it. I'll, I'll flip there and read it to you. Uh, 1 Peter 1.19. I think that's what I said. But with the precious blood of Christ as of a lamb without blemish and without spot. I don't know if that was the right verse. We'll skip that verse. I think I might have messed that up. Maybe that's 2 Peter 1.19. It is. And so we have the prophetic word confirmed, which you do well to heed as a light that shines in a dark place until the day dawns and the morning star rises in your hearts. We have the prophetic word confirmed, which you do well to heed as a light that shines in a dark place. We're not going to talk more about dark and lightness. I think we've bet over that. <laughs> But that, that is kind of, you just see it all intermeshing well together. And, and, it's, and that which is of the world is not in him. So there's, there's an element of separation there. I don't know about you, but that doesn't sound pleasant to me to be separated. We see that, again, through our country. Total separation. Total chaos. Just total separation. Uh, and it's important to know also that sin does separate. That's why he sent his son. And then, and then for all that is in the world, the lust of the flesh. He gives three examples of where we really, we really struggle with this. The lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, and the pride of life. I don't think there's any, any reason we need to, to beat that. Um, to beat that to death. But is not, the father, is not of the Father, but uh, is of the world. You look at, I think it's uh, Genesis 6. You look at the fall of man. Just, just a simple thought here. The fall of man. What happened? Well, Eve threw the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, and then Adam, the pride of life. Well, yeah, <laughs> yeah, let's give us that knowledge. Man falls. So through those three things, even, even way back then, those three things occurred. And here we are today. Instances where you can't watch TV without going, oh, yeah, I think I might like that. Or even something so practical as, as, as something tangible that we just go, hmm, when, when the bigger circumstance might be going on, that really what's going on further down the road um, is that we're actually opposing the, the things that, uh, that Christ wants us to focus on. And then verse 17, and the world is passing away and the lust of it. But he who does the will of God abides forever. Abides forever. Let's go back to Ephesians chapter 6 real quick.
Very familiar. I mean, there's even a poster downstairs. Oops, I just lost my place. Oops. But there's a there's this poster downstairs about it. I just noticed it today about the the uh, whole armor of God. And sometimes we just kind of skim through it and we go, yep, 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 we got that. But finally, my brethren, be strong in the Lord, verse 10, and in the power of his might. In verse 11, put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to what? To stand. To stand against the wiles of the devil. To stand against those things that oppose God. Those things in the world that promote Satan's system. To stand. That's what we need. For we do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but against principalities and against powers, against the rulers of the darkness of this age, against spiritual hosts of wickedness in the heavenly places. Therefore, verse 13, take up the whole armor of God. It does not say just the helmet. That's all you need today. It's nice and warm out. You know, you don't need everything else. He says, put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to withstand, withstand, withstand in the evil day. And having done all, everything you can to stand. Stand, therefore, having girded your waist with truth, having put on your breastplate of righteousness, and having shod your feet with preparation of the gospel of peace. I think that's important, too. It's a gospel of peace. The gospel message in itself is offensive to many. It is. It, it's, it, you're basically saying, we realize this is your nature in which you were brought up. That's not where you're meant to be. You're meant to be over here. So that, that can be like an awkward conversation, and, and many times it is. A gospel of peace, verse 16. Above all, taking the shield of faith with which you will be able to quench all the fiery darts of the wicked one. And take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the Spirit, which is the word of God, praying always with all prayer and supplication in the Spirit, being watchful. And this is the part... I'll read the verse real quick again. Verse 17 in 1 John chapter 2. And the world is passing away and the lust of the flesh, but he who does the will of God abides forever. And then we look back in Ephesians uh, chapter 18, being watchful to this end with all perseverance and supplication for all the saints. And for me, Paul, that utterance may be given unto me that I may open my mouth boldly to make known the mystery of the gospel. Purpose. That's why we're here in this world to make known the mystery of the gospel. Because, he says, I am an ambassador in chains. And I think that's, of course, we know Paul's story, being in prison a couple times. But he, it's also a great picture to realize that we're not the ones controlling the results. We're kind of, we get to a point where we go, well, I sent the message. I can't do anything else. I sent the message. I gave the message as clear as I could. We're just ambassadors. And it stops there. But then it doesn't stop there because then, but God... That in it I may speak boldly as I ought to speak, as it's our reasonable service, as I ought to speak. The idea of being Paul in in chains is a great reminder that the word and spirit produces the the results, also also God, not us. We are people who should complement the message. And I think that's what 1 John is getting at, is a life that complements that which we're proclaiming, that which we're professing to this world. And so as a church... Uh, this week, looking at even all the way back to the fall of man and, and where we are today and the cancel culture, all this stuff that's going on and around us that we just go, whoo, realizing that we're here for a purpose is to stand for the truth. Do everything you can to stand 
for the truth. In verse, I don't know if it was five or six in chapter one, it says, practice the truth in everything we're doing, basically. Because right the next time we come together, we're going to be looking at this, and we're going to be looking at that antichrist. A time when, like today, there's such a need to stand for the truth. So I pray that's encouraging. I know, I know it was for me. But the pride of life and the lust of the eyes, lust of the flesh, those are things that we all struggle with every day. And there are times where we go, oh, man, I really, God, I got to get right with you. I really mess that up. And we, we are unqualified. <laughs> but, but God loves us and values us and, and puts us in a place where we're able to be a part of, of his big purpose. And so like, like that scuba diver that's not used to, you know, maybe he's, he's, he's equipped for it. You know, and I think that's what God's getting at is we are equipped to be in this world to, to not conform, but to transform and to be a piece in that. So moving on with this week, I encourage you to get into the, the notes from Sunday school. I think that adds a lot to this message. Um, and this is a message that's been preached for a very long time. It's the word of God. And, and like my pastor says, the truth has a tendency to be the same yesterday, today, forever, and just blah, blah, blah. So there's nothing new, nothing new here. And, and so in this next week, go out. You know, be aware of what's in the world. Don't be conformed. Be transformed. And in the end, doing your best to stand for the truth so that you can proclaim the mystery of the gospel in this area and any, any area and traveling that you have. Uh, let's go out with that. Dear Heavenly Father, we thank you for this time together and your word. We thank you for the many challenges just in this section of scripture and the great examples um, that you give us, Lord. And we just pray that we realize that there are some areas that we all on a daily basis fail. And we just pray that, that you'll help us apply this, these very truths to our, to our lives and, and help us ultimately share the mystery of your gospel um, to the worlds in spheres in which, we, in which we navigate through. We thank you and praise you and we certainly give you all the praise and glory on this day today. In Jesus' name, amen. All right, so I think we're going to sing a hymn, 536. Thank you for listening to the Mission Briefer podcast, a ministry of propelling the gospel missions. All comments and thoughts can be sent through our website. Have a very blessed day and get out there and propel the gospel in your region and community. John, chapter 2. So I'm going to tell you a very quick story. Um, for those of you that don't know, I think I recognize everybody probably besides Strauss. Um, so we're propelling the gospel, right? Where we have the aviation ministry. And uh, a lot of it stemmed from my wife and I uh, visiting Kingdom Air Corps in Chickaloon, Alaska in 2017. And uh, one very important relationship I have is with Dwayne King, the director at Kingdom Air Corps in Alaska. And he's a great mentor to myself. He has been doing this for many years, his pretty much the majority of his life. Started out in Bar Harbor, Maine, grew up in upstate New York, 
how he ended up in Alaska. He wrote a book on it, and you can feel free because I don't have the details. <laughs> so, but anyway, uh, they lended us an aircraft for this last summer, mainly for camp. And uh, so it was great, great uh, usage, and, and it was a great time of ministry, great time of flying around New England, uh, and having teenagers, uh, for the bulk of it actually, share the gospel of Christ with, with people in rural areas. And uh, so that aircraft has kind of served its, its need that we had at the time. And so between Dwayne and I, we made the call and said, you know, I, I think at this stage, um, with my partner moving out to Michigan, for uh, mission aviation training, we said, you know, I'm the only guy, I can't fly both at once. So the need there is not as big as what it once was. So Dwayne King said, well, that's interesting you say that. Uh, he goes, because I've been praying for a month and a half about how to get a plane to South Carolina. And I said, well, Dwayne, what could you possibly need a plane in South Carolina for? And he says, well, we have two missionaries to Africa, Togo, Africa, um, through ABWE and their pilots and they need to get trained to go fly in Africa. Now let's pause there for a second and realize we're in a pandemic, okay? Not only did we just hear from the Strouts and we've heard about India a little bit, things are still going on for the work of the Lord. The Lord is still working amid all that's going on, only in Bethel, in Maine, in the region, but in far parts of the world. So anyway, uh, yesterday, so all, the last week and a half has been crazy. Uh, we have resources here where we can do maintenance. They necessarily don't in South Carolina, so we agreed that we would do the annual inspection, get it up to airworthiness, and so on. And so Dwayne says, well, we'll come up and pick up the plane, which is a huge help to us because I've really never flown south of Boston. And i you know, a little nervous about that too. So anyway, he, he says, okay, we're going to have a team come up. And if you know Dwayne, there's like five different plans before the plan actually happens so you never really know the plan so anyway they took off out of South Carolina at about eight o'clock yesterday and at 11 o'clock they arrived at our airport in Lymington pretty amazing I thought and so they all jump out of the plane uh, so they grab the plane they do they, you know they're doing all their checks and the whole goal is to get both planes back to South Carolina before sunset last night so it's a very quick you know just enough to use the restroom grab a bite to eat and go. It was a very quick thing. Um, but what was really interesting, um, Dwayne is staying here for the weekend uh, due to some health within the family. Um, so he's kind of kicking around. And uh, he said, you know, do we have time or do we get a coffee? And I have to understand, when you get time with Dwayne, it's one of those people where it's like, okay, I've got five minutes. What could we possibly talk about for five minutes without making it 10 or me an hour and a half? So... <laughs> Dwayne and I said, let's go get a coffee, and I'll bring you to the church where, where the church actually supports him in Hollis Center. So I, I brought him and got him a cup of coffee, and, and there's this little tiny coffee shop. And I'm going somewhere with this story. This isn't just babbling. <laughs> and we go into this little coffee shop, and we know that the owners, that, they're, that their children attend our youth group. They've attended Hangar Bible Night. They've gone flying, and in all of this, seeing different perspective, perspective, different perspective of God's creation, um, one of the son received Christ about two years ago at youth group. And so anyway, we walk into this coffee shop, and I know the context. Dwayne has no clue. And so we walk in. Of course, we get our coffee and our donut because, you know, that's what you do. And, and I, I'm, I'm hearing a conversation to my left, and I can hear it. Dwayne can't, okay? 
he, he can't hear at all, actually. <laughs> and uh, I can, and I know that there's discipleship going on in this little coffee shop, right? And so what's interesting is as Christians, sometimes we gravitate to moments like that and we go, huh, we're in a coffee shop. And then I noticed Dwayne, Dwayne, the way he is, he, he can come across weird at times, but he's just, and he can't hear, but he's just staring at him. And I'm going, Dwayne, what are you doing? What are you staring at him for? Dwayne can't hear, but he, he's, he just starts, I mean, we're talking like here to the speaker, he's just staring at him. You know, that's pretty close. Of course, outside of the six feet of uh, mandated, you know, social distancing, but he is staring at them. And so long story short, we get back in the truck and we're headed down the road and he goes, Alec, what were they talking about? And I said, oh, Dwayne, I said, that was discipleship. Ah, I knew it, he said. I knew it was discipleship. I could see it. I could see it. And Dwayne's got a way about that. Dwayne has served in Russia, Thailand, Alaska, all over the, all over the world, really. But why is it as Christians, we come to moments like that and we recognize that that's not normal. It's not normal. Because if it was normal, we'd go, oh, cool. Yeah, move on. But we're standing there going, wow. And it's great. But it's not normal. And so we're going to look at one verse today. One verse. Going to keep it short. Do a very brief overview. But why is it not normal? We talked about this last time we were up here. Um, the love that God is not in. Right? The love of the world. And then the three aspects of loving the world the lust of the flesh lust of the eyes and here we are looking at this next verse i gave a little bit of an intro last time but in verse 18 chapter 2 notice those first two words we kind of dissected them a little bit last time little children okay so again he's talking to the family of god right those who those who are believers at that time little children it is the last hour. Now let's just think for a second and kind of rewind our brain a little bit and thinking about 1 John, all of 1 John chapter 1, chapter 2, and all that we've walked through, right? It is real. He is real. John saw it. John witnessed it. It is real. Christ was manifested. He invites us into fellowship with him. Um, he sends an advocate to stand in our place. Even though we are guilty, he sends an advocate. He's the propitiation. He's the propitiation that stands in that place. And then we, you know, look at the different commandments. You know, love one another. We talked about relationships. We talked about the love that God's not in. The love for the world. And having a life that, that reflects a relationship with our Lord. And here we are, little children. Just a reminder... In this last hour, and as you've heard, that the Antichrist is coming. Now, those of us that have been believers for a while know that. We know that that will happen. The Antichrist is coming. So why, when we think about the story with Dwayne, why is that sometimes not normal? Why do we go, wow, that's incredible. They're talking about our God, our King, our Savior in a... In a in a coffee shop, and this guy was not quiet. Mm -mm, mm -mm. <laughs> this guy was like into it. And I don't know where he was going with the conversation. I wasn't there long enough. But this guy was with a young guy, probably about my age. And he's just like, like really pouring in to what's in his heart. And I love that Jason brought that up. 
We do, fo- we do need to focus on a world that is anti-Christ. We have a relationship with Christ, and that started in our heart. That started someone coming alongside us. Our Bible studies that we've had on Tuesday nights on Zoom, we got to share a little bit of that, right? Our testimony. But it started in our hearts. And shame on us, shame on us, right? If, if we have something, if we has, have a reservoir of God's love, what's a reservoir designed for? Sometimes it's easy for me to think about this because I'm in the maintenance world. But when you have a reservoir, the idea is not just to hold it. The reservoir is to supply. There's always a supply line out of a reservoir. There's always a valve to say, are we going to turn it on today, right? Are we going to turn it on? And that is a daily decision. Are you going to turn it on? It's not where we're going. But we're living in a world that's anti-Christ. We know that there will be an anti-Christ that comes. Okay? So that conversation with Dwayne, that's why that's not normal. Because normal, in our world that we looked at last time, the world is anti-Christ. And it will be moving forward. So we continue down the verse. The Antichrist is coming. Notice, I want you to notice the capital A in that verse, Antichrist, okay? Then it continues, even now many little a Antichrists have come by which we know that it is the last hour. Now it's interesting. I was kind of wondering this myself and Warren Wearsby kind of brought this up. He said, you know, John's writing to believers and he's saying, guys, let's get prepared. In this day and age, there's false teachers coming in the churches. Guys, there's Gnosticism in the churches. And at this time, when he writes this, he's saying, guys, this is the last hour. We really need to get ready for the Antichrist. Now, we might chuckle now, right? Because we go, well, John, it never happened, right? But here we are many years down the road. And the more that we continue, the more little a anti-Christ is, is prevalent and present. And it just gets more and more and more. Not one of us can stand up today and say, in our lifetime, Christ will be returning. We don't know. We don't know the hour, the time. John clearly didn't. John also had the idea that you were to live your life in preparation that tomorrow could be it. Continually looking up and saying, Lord, I want to live the life that you've called me to live, a a life that reflects a relationship with you. God has warned the church family, the little children, about the conflict between light and darkness. We looked at that in 1 John chapter 1. And between love and hatred in 1 John chapter 2. Now he warns them about a third conflict, right? The conflict between truth and error. It is not enough for a believer to walk in the light and to walk in love. He must also walk in truth. I believe it's verse 6 of chapter 1. It says, practice the truth. We've brought that up a lot, but that seems to be what we would call a hinge verse. A verse that we continue to go back and say, practice the truth. In all these things, love, truth, uh, the, 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 the three conflicts, right? Light and darkness, practice the truth. Practice the light. The issue is truth or consequences. We know that. Every, every human being really knows that. If, if you don't do something that's right, there's always consequences. Speeding, whatever, whatever the laws are, there's always a consequence. We see that there's a sense of urgency, right, between the last hour. The last hour. I love that, that phrase. Just think about 
the last hour and how many times that's been been used in scripture the last hour and just just connecting you know what it what that what tend what tends to follow the last hour and then antichrist these terms make known that christians us christians are living in a fading world we talked about that a, a world that is on a move right and we're pilgrims and sojourners traveling through we're living in a fading world and in an hour of crisis mm. haven't we seen that in the in this past year we must guard against the errors of the enemy we looked at that last time we were in first john and again what so why did christ uh not return during john's lifetime god god uh, in second peter god is not limited by time the way we are he is above time and we see that in second peter chapter 3 this idea of the last hour began in john's day but has only been intensifying every step of the way as we continue down this road the, the idea of there being antichrist or opposition to christ will only continue since we're living in a crisis days it is extremely important you know what you believe it's important that you know what you believe. There are family members, there are friends that Bree and I have that we are praying for on a daily basis that, that oppose Christ, but yet they have no idea what they believe. And they've, who knows if they've even thought about it. I, it's hard to really wrap my brain around, like, how have you never thought about what you believe? Where do you stand on creation? Where do you stand on, on all these things that sometimes we just so take for granted? Um, but it's important that we know what we believe and why we believe it. Why? The truth, you can always go back and say, here's the truth and this is why. In, in our culture, there's a huge problem where somebody will come, come, come out with some sort of claim and they'll go, well, there's, <laughs> there's really nothing behind that. There's really nothing to back that up. But just take our word for it. Just, just, you know, we're good. It's on social media. We're moving forward. Or, or even, you know, the other thing I think I brought up last time is they'll take it out of someone's book. But then we've got a book of 66 books with many verses and many applications. And nothing gets done. Nothing gets done. So the opposition to Christ, the Antichrist. The second term, Antichrist, is used in the Bible only by John. 1 John chapter 2. 1 John chapter 4 and 2 John chapter 7. He's the only one that uses it. He describes these three things about the Antichrist. A spirit in the world that opposes Christ. And that's what we're talking about. False teachers who embody this spirit. This is a time in which the churches were being infiltrated with false teachers. We see that today. Third one, a person who will head up the final world rebellion against Christ. The spirit of Antichrist... Uh, 1 John chapter 4, verse 3, we read that this morning, has been in the world since Genesis 3 when Satan declared the war on God. There's always been an opposition, Adam and Eve opposition, okay, through, through Satan. This spirit is in the world today, and I'm not going to go into it, but for further study, you can visit 2 Thess Thessalonians chapter 2. My words sometimes just jumble. I was actually, the other day, I was with my doctor, um, he, he is an opposer to Christ, to put it quite politely. And um, I get a little nervous at times because, you know, the doctor likes to ask me, you know, what's going on in life? And 
I have a hard time sometimes keeping it all back and so I kind of just pour it out and usually the conversation ends a little awkward and uh, so he was saying you know hope you have a great day yada yada and and my words just came together and I just looked at him and I said C2 and he just looked at me like what does that mean and I just yeah I'm just putting my jacket on I'm leaving so my words sometimes come together but uh, the spirit is in this world today um, and the Antichrist, he is called the man of lawlessness against law. A great warning to the church. First Timothy chapter 4, real quick. First Timothy chapter four, verse one. Now the spirit expressly says that in latter times, some will depart from the faith. And we're going to see that the next time we're up here. The one that has departed will depart from the faith, giving heed to deceiving spirits in doctrines of demons. And there's so much more in this, in this section of scripture, but for, for the time, there are going to be things, there are things in life that will take us off course. Whether we're a Christian or not, we can kind of get what I call wiggly, we can kind of get off the course. And if you, you know, the study that we've already been through first, John, to stay the course, to practice truth. A great warning to the church. Um, but it's interesting, you know, that last hour. That last hour, this is what John is saying. Be prepared, church. Be prepared. And so here we are in our culture. I'll have the men prepare for, for a communion. Um, but as a church, we're in this, in this interesting time where what we're doing today is not normal. And it only will be even more not normal. And we're headed down this road where all things are going to be big time anti-Christ. And so as we, as we continue to navigate through that, it won't be, it won't be easy. But in that last hour... As we, as we get ready for communion and we flip over to 1 Corinthians chapter 11, that last hour, just ponder that for, for just a second. The last hour, the same night that he was betrayed. The idea of Antichrist being involved in the world is nothing new. Nothing new. And so on that same night when he was betrayed they took the bread and so all the men uh come forward and um, we can pray this time we'll pray over the bread first because you know the more i thought about it it's actually impossible the way that we do it to um to do the cup first so my my pastor got a good laugh out of that he says you know luke the book of luke actually does have the cup going first um but in this case with covid and the way we have it it's a bread. so mike if you would pray over the bread Dear Lord and Heavenly Father, as we partake of this bread today, Lord, we would just be in remembrance that uh, this is uh, your broken body, Lord, that was given for each one of us. We do thank you and praise you. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. So we can go ahead and pass that around. At the end of uh, chapter 11, 
It says, therefore, whoever eats this bread or drinks this cup of the Lord in an unworthy manner will be guilty of the body and blood of the Lord. But let a man examine himself. And so let him eat of the bread and drink of the cup. For he who eats and drinks in an unworthy manner eats and drinks judgment to himself, not discerning the Lord's body. And for this reason, there are many weak and sick among you, and many sleep. For if we would judge ourselves, we would not be judged. But when we are judged, we are chastened by the Lord, that we may not be condemned with the world. In the last verse, he says, Therefore, my brethren, when you come together to eat, wait for one another. Wait for one another. But if anyone is hungry, let him eat at home, lest you come together for judgment, and the rest will set in order when I come. So before we take communion, examine yourself. If you need time to, to pray to the Lord and ask for forgiveness and, and, and just ask to be clean, because there are consequences for, for not following the truth. There are, there are consequences that we will have to face. And so we want to live a life that is real. We want to live a life that reflects a true relationship with Christ. And so we come at the last hour as Jesus was there with his disciples. And he says, For I received from the Lord that which I delivered to you, that Jesus on the same night in which he was betrayed. I have that word circled, betrayed. He took bread. And when the Lord had given thanks, he broke it and said, Take eat. Be a part of. Take eat. This is my body, which is broken for you. Broken for others around us. Do this in remembrance of me. Rick, if you would pray over the cup. Our Heavenly Father, we partake of this cup, which represents the precious blood of our Lord Jesus Christ. Help us to remember that the shedding of blood is for remission of sins. And just thank you for his sacrifice and his willingness to shed this, his blood. We thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. And in that same manner, in the same manner that night, he took the cup. This cup is the new covenant. The new covenant in my blood. This do as often as you drink it in remembrance of me. For as often as you eat this bread and drink this cup, you proclaim the Lord's death Till he comes. Matthew 26 is also a great, uh, you guys can have a seat if you'd like. Matthew 26 does a great way of also giving the perspective of of Matthew. And it's very, very similar. Uh, Obviously written just a little bit different. Um, But this blood is his new covenant. We looked at the new covenant. And at the end, you know, it says, But I say to you, I will not drink of this fruit of the vine from now until that day when I drink it new with you in my Father's 
kingdom, a, a portion of fellowship. But then the last part of Matthew 26 and verse 30, it says, and then, and, and when they had sung a hymn, they went out to the Mount of Olives. I hope this has been an exciting Sunday. I have found it extremely exciting to hear from a missionary that, that maybe the government is trying to put strains on, or chains, right, like Paul, on what goes on. But the reality that God's still moving. And he's using those that are willing. The idea that we're living in a world that that story in the coffee shop is not normal. The reality here that, that we live in an anti-Christ culture. But then we come to the cup that in a very interesting, similar manner, that last hour, the night he was betrayed, this is what happened. He, he, he came to, be, to intercede for us. So the story doesn't end in doom and gloom. And it won't. The Antichrist will come. And we'll look more into this the next time we're here. But we realize that, that Christ is the king. That he is the one that we are to follow. The one that we are to have the relationship with. So the challenge is this going out today. Much like Jason shared. Look for those opportunities. One. To share what you have. Turn on that valve. Turn on that valve from the reservoir and say, we have God's love. That guy at that coffee shop, he was doing that. He was sitting there with this young guy, I would imagine, 23, 24 years old. And that, that, I mean, that guy, young guy's eyes were like glued on that guy. Older gentleman, and he was just pouring out his heart the same love that God poured out his the same love that God poured out his heart for him and for all of us. And so in these, in these, in these days that are, are not enjoyable, these days that are anti-Christ on a daily basis, look for those opportunities to get into God's word. Just love the fact that we have a book to understand God's will, to understand who God is. And, and he gives us direction and all that and great discernment. We practice the truth. The more that we practice something, the more we're going to recognize the truth. And so, who knows what next election brings. But the more that we're seeking truth, the more we're going to see truth. And looking to our Father for that. So as we move forward in this week, get into God's Word. Sing a hymn. I know a pastor, he said, it is hard to defeat a singing Christian. Amen. And we don't have to sound good. But just to have that in your heart, the real relationship in your heart, and to go out just like the Strouts are going doing in Argentina. We can do that here. We can just share God's love with a smile on our face, knowing that it's the truth. And yeah, the world might be screaming, Anna Christ, don't come near me, it's COVID, and all of that. But it's time that we stand. We looked at that last time. A call to stand for the truth. There will always be opposition wherever there's truth. There will always be opposition. So I pray that's a great challenge. We are going to sing our... Actually, before we sing our last hymn, I want to look at the words of 571 real quick. I have never heard this song. I've, oh, no. 571. Sorry. Whoa. Must be 439. <laughs> wow, that would be... <laughs> But a song for the nations. I just want to look at a couple, couple things. Uh, verse 2 says, May we bring a word of hope to the nations. A word 
of life to the peoples on the earth, till the whole world knows that our salvation through your name. May your mercy flow through us. Can we just sing that again? We can. Let's do it. <laughs> Uh, what, you want to just sing that verse, second verse? Yeah, second verse, 439. We'll stand and we'll close with this. great to have some fellowship time after this and just think about these things to practice the truth as we've been talking about and then to show his mercy through us don't let it stop with us let it continue because those before us if it stopped with them we may not be here today so let that be a challenge and uh, we'll close in prayer we'll pray over uh, the meal and then whoever's in charge can direct us from there dear heavenly father we thank you for your word we thank you for the opportunity to look at the reality in which we live in, the, the state in which we as Christians are, are designed to stand against and stand for you, a world that, that is not normal or supposed to be comfortable for the Christian Lord. And we pray that you help us navigate through that. We pray that you help us notice those little opportunities to spread some seed, Lord, and not necessarily get caught up on, on the perfect time or or just the right opportunity, Lord. We just pray that we are consistent, concise, and sharing the gospel of you, Lord. We thank you and praise you. We now pray over the meal. We pray that it is a great nourishment to our bodies, and we pray that the fellowship is sweet, and that the edifi- that we are all edified moving out of this church, so that we can go to our world of spheres and share your name. In Jesus' name, amen. amen.